Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. This morning's inflation numbers are cause for concern for the pocketbooks of everyday Americans. Politically, Democratic strategists are increasingly concerned about what this all may mean for their midterm hopes this fall. Meanwhile, on Monday, President Biden unveiled a new crackdown on ghost guns and renewed his calls on Congress to pass laws on gun control with rising crime rates across the country. Some states like Georgia are taking matters into their own hands. Governor Brian Kemp discussing his latest legislation, allowing people to carry guns without a license. The naysayers are saying, oh, you know, it's going to open it up to where criminals can get and get done, get guns and people that aren't supposed to have them. Look, they're already getting them now. They're stealing. What we're trying to do is give law-abiding citizens a level playing field to simply exercise their Second Amendment rights. For this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News contributor, host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich. Former Tennessee Democratic Congressman Harold Ford Jr., also co-host of The Five, and political editor at National Journal and Fox News radio political analyst, Josh Crashour. Josh, this is a precarious moment uh, politically as these inflation numbers really cross party lines. It doesn't matter what your party is, Democrat, Independent or Republican. If you're feeling it at home at the kitchen table and you're talking about it and you are, uh, it, it affects things. Yeah, the economy is the number one issue in the midterm elections. No president, no party wants to run as the party in power dealing with these inflationary numbers. And and the, and the really hard thing for Democrats to stomach is it's going to take interest rate hikes that could slow down the economy and slow down job creation to, to really con- constrain the inflation. So we, we could be dealing with a double whammy, uh, not just for the midterms, but heading into the next presidential election. But the, the, the other challenge is, as you note, Brett, that it's not just Republicans and independents, but the Gallup poll that came out this month showed about half of Democrats have a very sour view of the economy. So you, this is why you have a very engaged Republican voters in the run up to the midterms. But you also have a very disillusioned uh, Democratic base that isn't excited to show up for Biden and Democratic candidates. Harold, is there anything this administration could do to say, hey, we care other than saying this is the Putin price hike? You know, I think Democrats can do a few things. First off, this is a, a tough day in New York. We had a had a uh, shooting in Brooklyn, and we are uh, uh, still trying to apprehend. The police are still trying to apprehend this person. Prayers go out to all the families and others uh, who are affected by this. 
I think Josh's outline of this is right. No party uh, wants to be in power when something like this happens. But you asked a very specific question. What is it that Democrats can be doing? I, I think a few things. One, um, repurpose some of the money that was spent for, uh, that was allocated for um, COVID uh, reaction and response. It has not been spent. Yet. Reallocate that to restaurant materials and small businesses uh, and, and middle-class families that are facing the food and gas prices. It's always, always curious to me why when we the CPI numbers come out, they say, well, if you exclude food and gas, uh, then the inflation isn't that high. Well, that's what people eat. And that's how people get around. So if I were in the White House, I'd be, I'd be urging uh, mayors and governors to convene with us to figure out how we get this done. How can we be most helpful and most impactful? Uh, and then two, you can't, let your, you can't let the eye up off of Ukraine. You have to imagine... Uh, that that Putin views this and sees this and says, hey, if, 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 if politics in America is a little discombobulated, perhaps they won't be as so focused uh, as a nation uh, and the popularity of what this administration is doing towards Russia may wane. I hope that does not happen. But without without question, Josh has it right. The, the frame here is the economy. Even presidents who've had low poll ratings, including Reagan and Obama and Clinton and Bush, W. Bush, they had it in their first term, first two years. They were able to recover when they focused laser-like on the economy. They didn't, now, they didn't recover in the midterm, but they recovered for their own reelection. In the midterms, Democrats, we've got our hands full, and it's going to be difficult, uh, I think, honestly speaking, to maintain uh, the majority we have in the House. I feel better about the Senate, but the House worries me more today than, than, uh, than, than it should. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, the party in power in a midterm usually loses seats. It's a rare event that they don't. A few times it's happened. But uh, in an environment where inflation is high, Ben, uh, the economy is at least shaky because there are people looking at numbers saying this could lead to a recession. It has historically. Mm. Um, there's just a precarious feeling, I think, politically. Look, I do think that without a change in policy on the part of the White House and Democrats who are in power right now, that the, that we really are in all likelihood headed toward a recession. Uh, now, I don't say that with any joy. I don't like uh, the prospect of, of winning politically, whether you're a Republican uh, or conservative or an independent who doesn't like what Democrats are doing. I don't like the prospect of winning because the country is going in a bad direction. But economically, we are headed in a bad direction right now. And I think that it is incumbent upon the White House to recognize this moment that they have an opportunity to do something different on energy policy than they've done to this point. There is a deal to be made here, one that I think is far too short-sighted to ignore, which is if they want to create a package that includes a, a number of things long-term that the left wants, uh, a kind of Green New Deal light or a bunch of green energy-focused jobs, things of that nature that would normally not be palatable to most Republicans, but they pair it with a short-term energy boost that is designed to get roughnecks back working again uh, to get America pumping oil again and natural gas and getting back to a point where we are energy independent and not uh, beholden to these international markets uh, that have raised the price of gas and the price of getting around so significantly for Americans. I think that would provide a jolt that might be significant enough that Democrats really blunt uh, what looks like a tidal wave in many respects. Unfortunately, 
I think the politics, the climate issue uh, are so difficult for the White House to navigate in this moment uh, that they just are not seeing that. And from my perspective, it's right there in front of their face, and it would be something that would get overwhelming support in the Senate, including from a lot of Republicans who I think would be willing to go along with it just to get some short-term relief for American citizens. Josh, a thing that a lot of lawmakers are not going along with is gun control. We've gone down this road numerous times. Um, Even bipartisan legislation has run into roadblocks. Um, And, you know, whether it is uh, background checks or other pieces of legislation, now the administration is is unveiling this new crackdown on ghost guns. And and how is that playing even as crime rates across the country uh, rise? Both parties are on two totally separate pages when it comes to the issue of crime and cracking down on on, on gun violence. Democrats, as, as is traditionally the case, are focused on gun control, trying to crack down on these ghost guns. And that, that may have some uh, pockets of, of, of Republican support here and there. But, you know, if you couldn't get Toby Manchin passed after Sandy Hook, if, if, if there has a background check past, law, the background checks, it, it's hard to see anything passing through this divided Congress. And I think the Democrats face a challenge. I think, you know, there is some political momentum to crack down on on, on the, the guns that are in, in such free supply in, in, in cities. But there's also an issue with policies in, in cities that release violent criminals early. You have the issue of cash bail reform in New York City, where violence has been spiking lately, including the, the awful incident that, that Harold w- was talking about earlier. Um, you know, even, even the Democratic governor now is saying we need to change some of the criminal justice policies that, that the Democratic Party passed a couple of years ago, given the, the, the rise in gun violence and crime in the city. So, you know, I think you need to look at all, 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 all different policy options, but too often the Democrats are focused on the issue of just gun access when there are a lot of other fundamental issues that need to be addressed and need to be tackled. And then I think I think the bail issue is one that's a little more pertinent right now for a whole lot of voters. Harold, to Josh's point, I mean, the two different parties dealing with the same issue completely differently. Uh, Ghost guns and trying to crack down on guns and pushing for more gun control or background checks. And then Georgia allowing people to carry guns without a license. I mean, you talk about disparate politics there. Yeah, that's, I think the uh, Mr. Dickens would call it tale of two cities in a lot of ways and, and, and how we're looking at these things. Look, I think we, we all have to be sort of honest about what short term and intermediate answers are and what long term answers are. I mean, just for a second, I agree with Ben that we should look at the energy challenge. But one of the things I think Democrats just from the politics around inflation are going to talk about is what, what would you do now? Uh, and I don't disagree. We should we should we should have an energy policy. But I think we've got to. And I would I'd be supportive of Keystone and I'd be supportive of fracking, which I have been. And similarly, with this issue of guns, we've never cracked down on ghost guns. Democrats around the country have ushered in, including a lot of Republicans. And I might add the biggest advocate of some of the criminal justice reform matters that we are. We saw ushered in a lot of cities and states, a lot of a lot of cities and states across the country. President Trump was a a big instigator of those things. And I, I don't think none of us were instigators of uh, reforming our justice system to let out violent thugs and gangbangers, which I think is unfortunately what has happened in, in the way the law has been implemented. So I'd wish that yesterday President Biden would have said, we're going to crack down on ghost guns because you know what? You should not be able to produce a gun without a serial number on it. 
You should not be able to own a gun and somehow or another it disappear and you not report that it's missing. And gun manufacturers should not be, I believe, not be able to stand back and say, oh, gosh, we didn't realize that that was happening. Well, in fact, we know this is happening. You can look at you can look at the stats. So I would agree the reflexive answer of Democrats sometimes is just to say guns and we should be broader than that. And I think the reflexive answer of a lot of Republicans is to say, no, we're not going to do that. And you know who suffers? Communities across the country, particularly a lot of moderate to low income communities across the country, particularly a lot of communities of color across the country. The people who are who are gaining access to these guns illegally, who are killing people, who are perpetrating a lot of these crimes. And I don't know what happened in this subway matter. I don't know who the person is. But in often case, you look at every weekend in Chicago and Atlanta and Baltimore and oftentimes in New York and Memphis and Philadelphia and Detroit, you know, they're kids, young black kids and young brown kids in communities that are protecting corners in neighborhoods, not because they're dealing fruit and candy, but because they're dealing drugs and guns. So we should all be honest about it. And I try my hardest to call balls and strikes about things. I'm a Democrat and a proud one, but when my party's wrong, I, I stand up. And I think Republicans, good-minded, good-hearted, and for that matter, honest-minded Republicans, have policy-making Republicans have to do that as well. Because what we're doing to eliminate or to rid or to reduce gun violence in the country, it's not working. For the life of me, I don't believe that Guns alone are the answer we have to do. We have to do bail reform and other things. And for the life of me, Brett, to your question, I cannot understand. I cannot see a world where what Governor Kemp, who I think is a decent guy, what he's doing on guns, I cannot imagine how that's going to reduce gun violence. Maybe I'm the idiot here, but I just don't understand how that accomplishes that goal. And I assume that's his goal. We'll hear from our panel after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Ben, there's a lot of cross-currents here. You know, we talk about the economy. It affects people in inner cities. It affects the uh, trafficking of other things. It affects immigration when you talk about the border and drugs coming over the border and how that affects the situation. And then we get to violent crimes. Um, it seems like there there is a happy medium someplace in a lot of these issues, or at least something gets across the finish line. But oftentimes... Our politics, you get close, but then they go to the corners uh, Mm -hmm. when the next issue comes up or the next election. We're always one election away from solving the big things. So how do we change that dynamic? Well, it seems to me, Brett, that what we run into so often in America is a, a motivation toward acting out of out of pity, out of. Uh, wanting to improve the plight of our fellow uh, Americans, uh, but not perhaps paying attention to what is needed uh, in these particular cases in order to achieve that end. You know, I would I would use you know just one example of this uh, that I think we see rampant across many major cities uh, is the problem of crime related to homelessness. Homelessness that has been exagger- exacerbated by uh, both the the fentanyl epidemic and also uh, the pandemic of COVID. Uh, the problems that have resulted, uh, you know, from this have left a lot of people destitute, homeless, 
in these encampments across the country, uh, you know, and coalescing around a lot of blue cities that have tried to engage a, a policy that they believe to be sympathetic toward these people, you know, even including, of course, you know, many of the acknowledgments that they wouldn't arrest folks for going into, you know, a Walgreens or a pharmacy and stealing a bunch of things was below a certain amount. But it turns out that at the end of the day, that's not actually an act of sympathy. It's an act that leaves a lot of people struggling on the streets, you know, in, incapable of being able to, to make themselves better uh, or to better their situation. And that what's really needed, uh, and this is something that's borne out by social science and by, you know, people who have studied this closely, is an approach that operates from the perspective of tough love. And what does that mean? It means making people choose between going to jail often and going to rehab, going to a, a number of different things that, you know, otherwise they wouldn't do. Michael Schellenberger, who's someone who is running in California, not a Republican, someone who's uh, running from an independent perspective, has been offering his perspective on this issue. He's the author of the book, San Francisco, uh, diagnosing the problems with the Bay Area, which really, you know, encompass all of these different things. And look, I, I understand that the Biden White House wants to make this about guns. I think that our crime problem in America is about a lot more than guns. It's about our ability to offer true mental health services uh, that actually meet the needs of people. But it's also about having to have that tough love moment in so many different respects that maybe doesn't seem as sympathetic, but is in the long term going to lead to fewer people dying on the streets, more people getting the treatment that they need, uh, and less risk when it comes to these major cities across the country. Josh, last thing. I mean, you look at the scorecard, the issues are, are out there. Number one, inflation economy. Uh, you've got immigration. You've got crime. You've got school issues, education, concern about what kids are being taught, gender identity issues. Uh, New Jersey's having a battle about first graders and gender identity class you know, curriculum. Uh, and then you have foreign policy. It's a perfect storm currently. Yeah, inflation, crime, and immigration, three of the top issues, according to all the polls, those are traditionally Republican strengths. So that shows you the political environment that we're looking at. And education, that, that, that is a issue Democrats traditionally have about a 20 to 25 point advantage on over Republicans. The latest round of polls, it shows it, it, it very close to tied about a, a single digit advantage for Democrats, which shows how potent these attacks over uh, kind of out, out of the mainstream age inappropriate curriculums in the public school system are. So that's another vulnerability that Democrats are facing that they should never, they've never faced in, in a long time. So the issue matrix is, is shaping up to be very favorable for Republicans. The one issue that isn't ranking in, in, in the polling right now, COVID. It was actually the, the least important issue in the new Pew Research Center poll that came out showing how much things have changed and how much voter priorities have changed in the last couple of months. I would also note that election 2020 is not up the rung on issues people care about. All right, guys, thanks so much. Now, as we come out of Masters Week, a bit of golf history on April 12th, 1954, Sam Snead bested the defending champion Ben Hogan by one stroke in an 18-hole Monday playoff to win his third green jacket. The duo had won the three previous Masters tournaments, and Hogan was also the reigning U.S. 
and British Open champion. Ah, the days. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler. Amazing performance at the Masters. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Ben, Harold, and Josh, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.